Hello, everybody. This is your host, John Holman, and I want to welcome you to Off the Cuff Podcast, where we like to showcase people and their amazing stories and spotlight their strengths and how they found purpose out of their problem. I like to write, I guess, free creative writing. I like to do a lot of thinking. And uh, so I'd like to start all my episodes off with something that I wrote, some an inspirational thought, something that goes like this. When we do the most important internal work and begin to heal our wounds, when we find ourselves in the midst of our suffering, when we stop fighting against our counterparts, it is then that we are free. And our lives no longer belong to time. And our hours can become oceans. There's so much going on in the world today. I wanted to take a minute to kind of bring you uh, a good introduction about where I'm coming from and what I'm talking about and why I believe the way I do. When I began the journey of healing myself, it was a big deal. I was facing a broken child, a toxic man, an addict and an alcoholic, a below-knee amputee. The list goes on, on and on. A lonely, I was a lonely person, just basically lonely. And uh, I was a needy, desperate servant of fear. As I began to discover and transcribe the darkness living inside me, the darkness that has held me back and that I found would always stop me in my tracks every time I wanted to take a risk or every time I wanted to speak out or every time I wanted to empower a good side of me. It would devour that. It would take my courage and it would steal my strength and it would empower my imagination to think the worst of the situation of the people around me. It never dawned on me In the end of my suffering, that to fix myself, I'd have to go back to my very beginning. After discovering what was the core reason for my pain, I was surprised, shocked, and amazed. Not just at my story, but I soon came to realize I was telling the story of so many anonymous voices and beautiful people who were desperately trying to reach out for help, just as I had been for so long. I lived my life like I was always standing on a trap door, a door that opened to a terrible, dark, and lonely place. I was always nervous, living as if I was awaiting execution at any moment. My moments were sewed together with chains of trauma, shame, guilt, and anger. I was an emotional mess and distress all the time. I could not regulate my feelings. I didn't know what I stood for. I couldn't even handle being outside myself for long. I didn't like me. That's when I realized the power of the story inside of you, finding the core reason for the pain, really going deep inside and trying to not just explain, but explore and find out more about what was really happening to cause my 
my sadness and all my emotional breakdowns. Today I try to fight and work hard to restore the memory of those we have lost who didn't have a voice, didn't know how to empower their voice, and to encourage those whose voices can still be heard, who have remained anonymous for far way too long, to speak up and, and turn their demons into guardian angels, just like I worked at it every day until I was able to, and it's still an ongoing thing. Recovery isn't something that you just gain and get a trophy for one day. It's a journey we take when we learn how to value ourselves. It's steps that we continually employ to move forward every day of our lives. We're never completely recovered. Recovery is a lifestyle. And I know today, as a father, the four beautiful children that we have to teach our children to use their voices for good even when using their voices for good is an uncomfortable situation and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't make others around us feel pleasure. Sometimes we are here to bring discomfort to people, to empower change, to bring about new thinking, new narratives, and new perceptions of the life and the world that we want to feel a part of, somewhere we can feel needed, sufficiently loved, where we can contribute and give and receive the love that we deserve, each of us. Today's culture only talks about the people that make it out of the darkness. There are so many still there, so many left untalked, untalked about, so many stories left undiscovered. We need to bring another part of the world into focus, a part of us, a part of all of us that no one is talking about. I come from a big family. I consider big. Five kids, two older sisters and two younger brothers. I was smack dab in the middle. Too old for this, too young for that. I've always been a journeyman, a seeker, a solo explorer. When I was around six or seven, I would wake up before the rest of my family Always had passion and excitement. The sun would come through the door, the window, and I would wake up as soon as the beams would start to reflect off the walls. I'd leave my bed, stroll down the hallway, walk through an empty house, unlock a front door, and casually stroll outside. I'd start walking around the neighborhood. I'd head for the parts I could remember, at least. The familiar parts, I'd recall from looking out from the car as my parents went places and came home. I could remember those things, and I just never felt afraid. I never felt afraid to go out by myself, which is so crippling now when I saw, when I found the fear that as an older, as a young adult, I was afraid to do so many things. And I would always look back and wonder, how did that young boy do that? How did he go out and face the world without any education, without anyone to sponsor his hopes or his wishes or, or pave the way? He could just go and do those things. I've always wanted to become the strength that that little boy had. I miss it. It was then when my parents decided that that was not going to work. They didn't really want to go to bed early and they didn't really want to get up early either, so... What they did was they locked my door from the outside and they put bars on my windows. 
I remember feeling so mixed up about my emotions. I didn't know if I was in trouble or if I was being kept safe. I was told it was for my own good. But what was for my own good just didn't feel right. I couldn't go to the bathroom early in the morning when I got up. I had to wait for someone to let me out. Mom stayed up late, so she didn't wake up early. So I found myself stuck in my bedroom for a lot of times early in the mornings after I'd get up. I remember there was a beautiful vegetable garden just right outside my window. I would stare at it early in the morning and make up stories about the growing plants. Oh, and our neighbor squirrels too. They were kept in a huge cage in their backyard. I used to just look at it. The cage was probably 20 foot by 20 foot and 20 foot tall. It was huge and it had six or seven squirrels in it. And I remember now looking back and we were just watching the world. We were just, just cage squirrels watching each other, watch each other while we watched the world from inside of our locked rooms. Life kept spiraling out of control for me. I was in trouble in school. I had learning problems. Uh, my father was such a, uh, he had such an imposing attitude and, and strength about him. He was uh, always fixing his crown. He was a, a narcissist. He was completely engulfed in himself and believed that he had the righteous path and the right way to do anything. And then my mom coming from an era where she was taught to uh, be quiet, to protect, and that no one should be able to see a flaw in your family. So I was taught to protect my abusers. I was taught to protect the pain. I was taught to hide things from an early age, and that's pretty much what happened. That carried on into junior high, where I had a horrible time. I only made it to the 10th grade before I was kicked out of the school systems altogether fighting and aggravation. I was in and out of offices, referrals. I was finally on probation before I got kicked out. Just a looming, looming uh, legal issues were, were coming. I, I hadn't really been a crook. I hadn't robbed anybody. I wasn't hurting people. I was hurting myself. I was doing what I was taught to do. I had a covert operation putting myself through pain and covering my tracks so that no one could see why I was doing it. And it had to look confusing to people, but I was such a part of the cover-up that nobody could really crack the code of the abuse in my family. I remember being sent off to uh, do a two-year suspended commitment in Springer, New Mexico, a juvenile penitentiary for boys. I remember I was, I was 17 years old. And uh, my father had preached most of my young life. And when he didn't, we were in church. And so I grew up in church and I grew up around real soft kids and real, uh, real devout religious people and no cussing and things like that. And so I, I, was, I had a mixed, a, a mixed tape. I was just a huge mixtape of a person. My father would uh, preach all day at a Sunday sermon and he would listen to Merle Haggard and drinking music on the way home. And I just idolized everything. I idolized how to be great and how to be religious. And, and I wanted to be a sinner because I wanted to make my dad proud because he loved, he loved what the singers stood for in those songs. But I remember going from that to sitting at a two-year suspended commitment, boys' prison. 
to the night I was planning my escape from there. I remember being so scared. I was sleeping next to a 300-pound Mexican named Bingo that had shot his mother in the face point-blank with a shotgun. I was walking into the bathrooms in the afternoon to where there would be six or seven boys in the stalls doing masturbating, doing things that they weren't, that you just don't expect to ever face as a child. And I was changed. I was changed. I was seeing things that I was not supposed to see. I was seeing things I was not prepared for. I was in situations that my wit and my imagination and my emotional intelligence had no way of finding relevance. I was lost. I was lost inside myself. I was lost outside myself. I was in a place that was terrifying to me. I remember the night I escaped. I remember stealing the pool ball from the table. I remember hiding it in my, in my bed, breaking the window in front of the guards as they looked at me and said, stop, don't do this. I climbed through the window and I took off running into the dark night. It was cold. I only had on my sleeping clothes. I remember running blindly, falling in ditches and holes over trees and weeds, rocks, sticks. I couldn't find a way to balance myself. I couldn't find a direction to run to feel safe. I just ran to feel safe. That was in the mountains around Albuquerque. I had never been in the mountains, especially by myself, and not at night running by myself. I ran for a long time, and I ran till the sun came up, and I still hadn't been found. I was in the mountains. I, was, I slept next to a tree curled up. I remember thinking, don't think. Don't think about what's going on. Just, I don't know where I was going. I just was going forward. I just did not want to go back to where there was pain, where there was guilt, where there was shame, where I couldn't understand what was going on. Once again, just like as a boy, I was alone, but I felt safer than anywhere I was at. These are when my bouts with trauma really started forming who I am and the way I would move, how I would run, how I would hide, how I would avoid and deflect anything about myself. I would start building the rage and the shame and the fear-based blame that would spew from my life and my mouth and my actions for the next several years as I became addicted to drugs and alcohol and violence, pain and misery, dishonesty and distrust. They became my best friends. They became my social advocates. They became my reason for value. Without those things, I felt I did not have a purpose or a reason or even substance about myself. I hope you'll join me for the next amazing episode where we're going to go even deeper. And as we go deeper, we're going to find a new level of understanding and we will start picking this thing apart. We'll start finding relevance in both of our lives. We'll all come out of this better. Thank you for being here on this second episode. Uh, we're going to get things a lot better. We're going to have them running a lot smoother. 
But right now, we just have to get content down. I want you to understand where I'm coming from, and I want you to know my story so that I can help you have strength to tell yours, and we can, both of us, go forward and unpack these heavy expectations that we all have about fear and trauma. Everyone have a good time, and thank you for being here.